So tonight we're kicking off a brand new series that we've titled Over It. And over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about stress, worry, and anxiety. Anybody in the room needing an honest conversation about stress and worry and anxiety in your life? Yeah, okay. Kind of an interesting thing to like be excited about or like to voluntarily say yes, but I think it just speaks to the state of where you are and where I am because I've been really excited about this series as well because I know I need it just as much as the next person. And so we're going to have an honest conversation for the next few weeks uh, around the weight on our hearts, on our minds, um, and on our souls that is our stress and our worry and our anxiety. Uh, a couple of things before we jump in, though. We titled the series Over It. Um, and just so you know, we didn't title it Over It because you're going to hear all you need to do is get over it. That's not the point. Um, you're not going to hear throughout the course of the series, oh, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, you just need to get over it. That's not helpful. That's not biblical. That's not scientific. That's just not anything good, okay? Um, we titled it Over It because if you're like me, your spirit is just over it. If you're like me, like you're over the struggle, you're over the quiet struggle. You're over the stigma of talking about it. You're over feeling like you're the only one. Uh, you're over um, what your stress and anxiety, anxiety is robbing you of. You're over the sleepless nights and you're over the fear. And here in this place, um, we're going to have an honest conversation about it. And we want it to be a safe place to talk about it because my spirit is over it. And I'd be willing to bet yours is as well. The second thing, when I think about over it, I don't know if you've ever, you had a friend that went through a breakup or maybe you've been this person, right? Uh, and you're talking about that guy or that girl that you broke up with and you're just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm over it. Well, that probably means you're not, right? Like if you have to tell somebody you're over him or you're over her or you're over it, that it's like code for saying I'm actually not over it. I still love him. He's psycho. You know, it's like, it's one of those things. So here, here's what I want you to know is that during the course of the series and your conversations in your small groups and your conversations on your ride home and your conversations with any of us here on a Wednesday night, you don't have to fake being over it. You don't have to fake it. We want you to be real. We know the struggle is real. We know the stress and the worry and the anxiety is real. And so we want to have an honest conversation and honest conversations about it. You don't have to fake it. We want you to come as you are. And I believe Jesus wants you to come as you are. And we want to help you take steps, um, helpful steps and hopeful steps into the fullness and freedom that I believe God desires for you. But then the last thing about this series, and I'm going to say something along these lines every week probably, is I've got a little bit of a disclaimer about the series. Um, anxiety is a very complicated topic. It just is. It's a massive topic. It's very complex. And what you need to understand um, is that stress and anxiety are not synonyms. Okay? They're, they're not one and the same. They're two very different things. Uh, you can be stressed out. All of us can be stressed out. You can be stressed out and not be anxious. Okay. In fact, um, stress over and over and over consistent stress in your life could eventually lead to a moment or moments of anxiety, but you can be stressed out, but not anxious. But what's also true is that you can be anxious and you can have moments of anxiety and you can struggle with anxiety and not have clinical anxiety. 
See, for most of us in the room, we're kind of in these first two. Uh, we're stressed out about things. We have stressors in our lives, and we want to talk about that. And for some of us, that turns into moments of anxiety where we, we get anxious or we have anxious moments or anxious seasons. For most of us, for the majority of the room, that's where we fall. And I really believe this series can be really, really helpful for you. But for those of us where our anxiety becomes unmanageable, when it becomes too much for us to take care of, whether it be because of brain chemistry and or a bunch of other factors, um, when it becomes unmanageable, what's actually required is professional help, uh, professional care from a therapist or a counselor, maybe even a psychiatrist who can actually give medication to get you to a point where you can begin talking about what is going on in your mind and in your heart. See, everybody struggles with stress and anxiety, um, but not everybody has clinical anxiety. But here's what you need to know is that um, I take this topic really seriously. Um, my wife is a, is a, has a master's in counseling. We've talked extensively about this over the years. I'm about to tell you why, and especially as I've been preparing for this series. And here's what you need to hear loud and clear is that we believe in a holistic approach to anxiety. We believe in a holistic approach that, that for those of you that maybe, and some of you in the room, if you're on that clinical side of anxiety, here's what we believe is that there is the counseling side, and that's really for everybody. There's a the therapy side, that can be for everybody. And there's even this medical side. What we also believe here is that there is a spiritual side to the struggle of stress and anxiety. But it is just one of the sides of anxiety. And here during the course of the series, I wanna make it very clear, we're going to focus on the spiritual side but not because it's the only side. No, no, we're gonna focus on it because your boy is not, um, I cannot give you medication and you don't want me to, okay? Um, I cannot lead you through the same types of conversation that a professional licensed counselor and therapist or psychiatrist actually can. But we can have a conversation around the spiritual side of our struggle with stress and anxiety. And if you're in the room and, and you struggle with clinical anxiety, or maybe you share this message with somebody who struggles with clinical anxiety, here's what I need you and here's what I need that person to hear loud and clear is that you might listen to these messages and you might be able to glean a thing or two, but I need you to know that nothing that we say is meant to replace anything that you're already doing. Uh, nothing that we talk about is meant to replace what your counselor says, what your therapist says. It's not meant to replace any medication. It's not meant to be a fix-all. Our hope is that maybe we can just give you just another tool on your tool belt as you navigate the struggle of anxiety, and that's for everybody. And if you do find yourself on that clinical level, if you are um, struggling with clinical anxiety and you've been diagnosed and you're working through that, and this series does nothing for you, here's what I also need you to hear me say. It's not because your faith isn't big enough and it's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because the, 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 the people that are way smarter than us and the, the medical community that God put in this world is there to help you through it and we wanna walk side by side with you if we can. So I see you here loud and clear. We're gonna focus on the spiritual, not because it's the only side, but it's the only side we're qualified to talk about, but our church wants to help you get connected to others if you feel like you need it. And if you're in the room tonight and, and, and anxiety has kind of been rampant in your life, if you feel like your anxiety is unmanageable, if you've gotten to a point where your anxiety is actually starting to disrupt the regular rhythm of your life, and if you feel like over the past six months you've had more bad days with your anxiety than good days, I would encourage you to let us know because we want to help you find someone who can help you. I believe that if that stuff is happening, 
You need professional care. And there's nothing wrong with you, but our church wants to partner and walk alongside you. Longest disclaimer of all time, but so, so important. Are you guys with me? Are we good? You feel me? Yes? Okay, fantastic. So we want this series to be helpful and hopeful. Helpful and hopeful. And over the past few years, this series, again, is is super personal for me um, because over the past few years, I've experienced more stress and anxiety than ever before in my life previous. I mean, you know, like in high school and uh, college, you know, yeah, you get stressed out about tests and stuff and finals and homework and does she like me and does she not and all that kind of stuff, right? And stressed out when I was proposing and all that good stuff. But But it wasn't until I started a job and I got married and we started doing like, you know, adultish things that I started to experience a level of stress and anxiety that I'd never experienced before in my life. Um, 2018 was quite the year for the Mossad household. You ever had a year where it was just like, yeah, man, that year did me in real good. Anybody like, it's just like, for whatever reason, God decided it's going to pour Uh, in 2018. Some good, some bad, but it's all just kind of hectic and crazy. That was the year for me, 2018. Uh, In 2018, and some of you guys were around here when I talked to you guys about some of the stuff or told you that it was happening. You're going to get to hear some fun details about it. But in 2018, in the span of about seven months, I had major surgery to get my right kidney removed. Uh, Me and my wife bought a house and renovated a house while living in my parents' basement, no shame. Um, And we welcomed our first child, Harper, into the world. It was a whirlwind of seven months. Now, Julie was pregnant for more than seven months, but you you know what I mean, okay? It takes about nine months to cook a baby. And so, um, but it all started, it all started on a February evening, Thursday night at a Baptist church in Sandy Springs in a church league basketball uh, league that I played in. I played uh, in a church league basketball. Uh, the ATL Sleepers was the name of our team. You sleep, we eat. That was kind of like our mantra. We have an Instagram account. I haven't been invited back, not taking offense to that. I just appreciate the years that you let me play. And so we're playing this Thursday night back in February of 2018. And I, you know, it's church league basketball. Like I'm going all out. I'm going all in, you know, like, I mean, this is what we do. You give it everything that you got. We got nothing left sports wise. This is all that we have for glory and honor. And nobody's watching. Not even my wife would come. And so, <laughs> so I'm giving it all that I've got. And I'm like, I, I go up to set a pick on a guy that I have no business setting a pick on. And if you don't know what basketball is, a pick is when you go up and, and you stand in the defender's way in order to block them so that your teammate can get around. And the best kind of pick is one that the defender doesn't see coming because then they can't get around it. Well, I set too good of a pick for a guy that was way too big for me. Like I would look up to him. He probably had 150 pounds on me. And so this dude comes running into me as a pick and I just collapse. I mean, I I can't stand up to anything. I mean, this is like tornado force winds. And so he nails me in the stomach and I'm like, I'm going to throw up. But I like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm so good. Yeah, yeah, good job, right? I got you next time. You know, like I'm trying to act like, like I'm good and I'm not. Like I'm hurting. It's painful. I'm struggling. I'm like, hey, let me, let me get a sub. I'm thirsty. I'm dying inside. Okay. And I'm like, it'll go away. It'll go away. It'll go away. So I get in my car and I drive home. It doesn't go away. I get home that night and by home, I'm in my parents' basement and, um, and I get in the shower and it doesn't go away. I get in bed and it doesn't go away. 
around one o'clock in the morning, my wife wakes me up and she's, she hears me wincing in pain. She's like, Harry, you okay? I'm like, no, I thought you were pregnant. I think I am, you know? I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Like something, like something is wrong. Like, I don't know. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I am in pain and it won't go away. She's like, do we need to go to the ER? I was like, sure, I guess, I think we should. So we, we go to the ER that night and we get in there. They gave me some, um, some pain meds, which were fantastic. And... <laughs> I get to like rest for a minute, you know, and I mean, they, they hit quick. And so, um, and so, uh, under the medical professional. Um, and so, <laughs> so we did that in the ER, but so then they, they get a CT scan on my stomach. Like I just figure out what's going on in his abdomen. So I'm like, okay, cool. So they did that. And then, you know, a couple, it's like three 30 in the morning. My poor wife is pregnant, just sitting in this uncomfortable chair where I'm just like, Hey, you good? Cause I'm good. You know, it's like, one of those things. and so, and so, uh, but so the doctor walks in and he's like, hey, have you ever had any um, kidney issues? I was like, no, why do you ask? And he was like, because your kidney is huge. And I was like, uh, is that a technical term? Like, uh, aren't you a doctor? Like when I'm talking to my little brother, you know, what is happening? And he goes, your kidney, your right kidney is five times the size of your other kidney or your left kidney, excuse me. I was like, I'm sorry, you said five? He said, yeah. And he's like, let me show you the scan. And I actually have a picture we're about to get real intimate here tonight, okay? So um, this here, this little jelly bean, this is a good kidney. This was my other kidney. Y'all, I was legit carrying a child. There was six pounds of, I thought I was just gaining weight. No, there was six pounds of fluid in my kidney. Isn't that crazy? I had a couple urologists tell me that it was the largest kidney they'd ever seen. And I was like, well, thanks. You know, like, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. Can I get that in a medical journal somewhere? It's crazy. It's crazy. And that might make some of y'all queasy, so we can, we can take that down. Um, but we had to get it surgically removed immediately because it was going to get infected at some point. And it was just kind of crazy. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we did it in the middle of the semester. We got the kidney removed, which was kind of crazy. It was a little stressful. My wife was a little concerned because it's a major surgery. And she is so stubborn. She loves me so well. She would sleep at the hospital. We had to stay there for three or four days. She would not go home. So she's like six months pregnant, sleeping on this uncomfortable cot in the hospital. I have the surgery. It's really annoying because I can't really do anything. I can't lift anything for eight weeks. But then a week into surgery or after surgery, I developed a blood clot in my lung, which is really, really dangerous. I didn't know how dangerous. We get to the ER and the doctor's like, man, you could have died. I'm like, bro, my wife is here. Will you chill? Like, <laughs> she's pregnant. I don't need her to be stressed. And she starts crying. I'm like, babe, I'm alive. I'm fine. I'm here. And so I have to spend another four days in the hospital. We spent Easter morning in the hospital watching North Point online. It was crazy. And again, she stayed the whole time. So medically, it was stressful. It was crazy. I wanted to be okay. She wanted me to be okay. I wanted my wife to be okay. She's carrying our future child. All the while, we had just closed on our first house, which is exciting, but it's also stressful. Because anytime you sign away that amount of money, it should terrify you, okay? It was crazy. And then we had to renovate it, which that's a whole nother thing. HGTV makes it look all fun and everything. It's not all fun and everything. It's stressful. And I hated and loved it all at the same time. And it took way longer than we expected. And I promised my wife that we would have it done before the baby was born. We finished that junk four days before Harper was born. My wife goes into labor upstairs and me and my dad are downstairs installing the washer and dryer in our laundry room. Okay. It's crazy. 
Now, gratefully, or gratefully, thankfully, it ended with a nice bow. This was the day that Harper was born. You guys have all seen Harper, met Harper. Um, I can't stop Instagramming about her and I don't care what you think about that. Uh, but um, so it ended well and it was awesome. But even this, this led to sleepless nights. And then we have a child and I love her, but I've never done this before. You know, we get home that night and we were like, not kidding. We're like, well, uh, do we have pajamas? And we're like, we don't, we don't, we don't have pajamas. What do we put her in? The swaddle, it's not working like the nurse did, you know? So the next day we go to Bye Bye Baby, I buy seven swaddles just to make sure which one fits. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. It was one of the most stressful six to seven months of my life. I mean, I was worried about um, my health. I was worried about my, more than anything, I wanted my wife to be okay. I wanted our baby to be okay. And then for me, man, I like, I wanted to make sure our house was good. I wanted to make sure the renovation was good. I already have trust issues. So when you're working on my house, I'm gonna make sure it's perfect, you know? It was crazy. And it was so much to do with. And for the first time ever in my life, I would wake up in the middle of the night and kind of have like these anxiety attacks. I mean, I would wake up, eyes wide open, heart pumping. Um, my chest is real tight. My stomach is turning. I'm sweating. I can't breathe because, I, and this sounds so funny now, but it's because I was thinking about how much the cabinets would cost. I was thinking about whether or not the foundation was right. I was thinking about all of these things and I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about making sure Julie was okay. Multiple times throughout um, those six to seven months, I felt anxiety in a way like I never had before so much so that my wife was like, you need to go see a counselor. I was like, you are absolutely right. And so I've never, I've never experienced anything like that before. And so talking through this and even working through these messages was so personal for me because stress and anxiety is a real thing for everybody. And you don't have to go through a major surgery and a major life event to experience stress and or Anxiety, I mean, all of you experience it to some degree every semester, to some degree, every day, every week, there's something going on. And in fact, um, it's a sweeping epidemic across the United States of America. Um, the, the rates of stress and anxiety have never been higher. They've never been higher for any generation like the one that is coming up. I mean, some of these stats will blow your mind that uh, over 40 million Americans struggle with some level of anxiety. It's crazy. It's actually probably more than that. Um, that 40 million Americans struggle with anxiety are probably clinical anxiety. That there's even more that just kind of struggle with the day-to-day -day struggle, the stress and the anxiety. That did you know that um, anxiety is the most commonly classified mental illness in the United States? In some cases, it's more common than the common cold. Think about it for just a minute. That's absolutely crazy. This blew my mind. The average child today, the average child today exhibits the same anxiety and stress levels as psychiatric patients did in the 1950s. Our seven-year-olds are walking around the same level of stress as the crazy people in the 1950s. It's crazy, it's crazy. In fact, the lifetime incidence rate of anxiety is 25%. That means one in every four Americans in their lifetime will experience some kind of debilitating experience with anxiety. And what I believe is that I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a product of the culture that we live in. It's a product of the culture that you and I walk in every single day because you and I live in a culture and what defines your life and what defines my life are, are these three words. That we're a culture that is overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overexposed. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. We are overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overexposed. Overwhelmed. You are processing so much. 
you are thinking so much. Like I want you to think about all the things that you think about. Like I want you to think about all the decisions that you make every single day. I want you to think about some of the big life decisions that you're gonna make while you're in college thinking about what you're gonna major in, what job you're going to pursue, um, thinking about um, what internship you're going to take. How about just what classes I'm gonna register for? That's gonna be coming up here pretty soon. Can I get an amen about how stressful that is, okay? The decisions that you're making every single day. We're processing so much. Technology has changed us. The endless stream of notifications, we're constantly processing information. It's never been harder to disconnect from the world around you because you're always getting emails. You've got these out of control group texts that are always going. You're always connected to some kind of app. Everybody knows where you are all the time. Thank you, find my friends. I mean, it's just happening all the time. And then our phones, man, like you find yourself on a random Thursday, your phone's already at 15%. It's not even lunch yet with no charger in sight and you've got three classes left, you know? And it's like stress is ramping up. I'm not connected. I don't know what to do. And you're processing so much. How about tensions in life? Family drama, roommate drama, a breakup that didn't go well. Somebody is sick. Work isn't going well. You're constantly processing. We're overwhelmed because we're thinking and processing so much. Uh, we're overcommitted, overcommitted. You're doing so much. You're doing so much. Busyness is like a status symbol. It's like something we brag about. Yeah, I'm just so busy. I can't be your friend. Sup? I'm busy, bro. How about you get busy and call me later? We can be busy together. Like, it's like a bit, that sounded weird. That's not what I meant. It's not what I meant. <laughs> Unplanned joke that didn't go well. We're going to move on. But it's like a status symbol, like, well, I just got to be busy because I need everybody to know that I'm busy. We don't want to miss out on anything. And so we decide to plug into everything. We, we got school and work to balance. So many of us are managing relationships. You've got this friend group and this friend group and they don't mix. And so you're hanging out with them and you're hanging out with them. You're managing the expectations of people around you and trying to live up to the expectations of people around you. Your parents have expectations for what your job is gonna be and what you're gonna major in. Um, you, you're dating somebody and there's an expectation there. Your boss has expectations for you. Your coach might have expectations for you. Your fraternity or sorority might have expectations for you. Your academic advisor might have expectations for you to live up to. And so we are doing so much and we're overexposed. You're seeing so much. You are taking in information at a rate like no generation before you. That our phones are constantly keeping us connected to the world. And that's a good thing, but also can be a very unhealthy thing. That it's never been harder to disconnect. That you learn about everything that's happening around the world in an instant. That your phone, CNN will tell you whenever the next mass shooting is. Fox News is gonna tell you whenever there's a terrorist attack somewhere across the world. I was having a conversation with somebody a little while back and they asked me, Samer, do you think the world is getting worse? Because it feels like the world is getting worse and worse and worse. And I said, I gotta be honest, I don't know that the world is getting worse. I mean, you look back at the history of this country and I don't know that it gets any worse than slavery. So I don't know that it's getting any worse. I said, what I think is happening is that we are getting news and information from what is happening around the world at a rate like never before. It just feels worse because we're hearing about everything way more in a way like never before. Social media, you're seeing everybody's highlights. You're comparing your life to their highlights. You're comparing where you are to where your friends are. You're comparing your experiences to their experience, wondering why you don't measure up, wondering why you don't have what they have, wondering why your life can't be what theirs is. 
We're overwhelmed. We're processing so much. We're overcommitted. We're doing so much. And we're overexposed. We are seeing so much. And that pace of life, the constantly processing, the constantly seeing, the constantly doing, the constantly going, 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 is exerting you and I at a pace that we were never intended to go. It is exerting you and I at a pace that we were never expected or created to walk. And what's happening is you and I are being stimulated at a rate that our bodies were never created to be stimulated at. A little bit of science for you and you'll you'll hear tidbits of science around stress and anxiety because there's so much science around it. Um, But stress, stress is caused by any kind of physical or emotional stimulus. That's what stress is. Not all stress is bad, by the way, and we're gonna talk about that specifically in two weeks after silent disco. Stress is caused by any kind of physical or emotional stimulus. A stimulus is anything that causes a response, a reaction, or energy. So every single day, you and I, you know what we're doing? We respond and we react to stimulus. We give energy to, to stimulus. You, 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 you get a text and, and you're responding to that. You process that. You get a notification and you process that. You go to work, your boss tells you to do something, you're responding to that. So every single day, normal life and normal living is us responding to stimulus. However, when we become overwhelmed and overcommitted and overexposed, that stimulus that we start responding to and reacting to starts happening at a whole nother level and we become swamped, overstimulated. And all of a sudden we're swamped with experiences, we're swamped with emotions, we're swamped with to-dos, we're swamped with expectations, we're swamped with comparisons, we're swamped with insecurity, we're swamped with relationships, we're swamped um, with, with tragedy, with working through difficulty. And all of a sudden we've gotten to a point where we are overstimulated. And research and evidence is showing more and more that overstimulation is a major cause of stress, anxiety, and even depression. We're moving at a pace like never before. And it's wreaking havoc on our minds, our bodies, our hearts, and even deeper than that, our souls. Researchers call this ego depletion, ego depletion. It's a type of fatigue. It's a type of depletion that goes way beyond anything physical. You ever been so tired that sleep didn't even do it? You ever been so exhausted that you actually couldn't sleep? Ego depletion, it's a fatigue that goes far beyond the physical. It's when our minds, our bodies, and our hearts and our wills are completely depleted. And the culmination of all of that is our souls are depleted. Our souls are tired. And you and I are operating on the equivalent of a car trying to run on empty. There is nothing left. And we're stressed and we're burned out and we're beat down and we're exhausted and we're confused and we're anxious We're depleted and rather than being over it, we are being overcome by stress, worry, and anxiety. You ever been driving in your car and the check engine light comes on? You're like, ah, so annoying when that happens. Y'all ever ignore that junk? Yeah, me too. 
Somewhere, I, hey, that check engine line is like year-round Christmas decoration in my car. That light always on, man, you know? But you shouldn't drive around very long with the check engine light on. Right? You know this, because the check engine light, it's a signal. It's different than the gas light. The check engine light is a, is a signal. It's a warning that there is something internally going on in your car that you cannot fix on your own. That there's something going on in your car that if you keep driving it at that pace or with that issue, it's not going to be driving for very much longer. It's a signal that says you need to go back to the manufacturer to be able to do some work on the inside that you can't do yourself. And so many of us, the stress and the worry and the anxiety, which culminates in this empty and ego depletion, this depleted soul. It's like the check engine light is going on in your life and you and I can't fix it on our own. And we've got to go back to the manufacturer that made us. And so I want to look at an invitation that comes from Jesus. An invitation that's probably one of the most famous invitations in all of the New Testament. And I believe it's a baseline for our conversation as we begin to talk about what it looks like to live above and begin to fight against the stress and the worry and the anxiety in your life and in my life. That that check engine light is blaring. That there are sleepless nights, hopeless hearts, peaceless minds and restless souls and Jesus wants to do something about it. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me. Come to me. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to connection. He says, come to me. For some of you, it's an invitation to reconnect. Isn't it so true? That when life gets crazy, the easiest thing you can put on the back burner is Jesus because he's always going to be there. It's an invitation to reconnect. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary. That word weary, it means to be exhausted from striving. Exhausted from striving, exhausted from comparing, exhausted from working, exhausted from going, going, going and toiling all the time and never feeling like you can stop. That word burdened, it means to be loaded down, to be carrying a load that you can't carry on your own. Working through difficulty, working through a breakup, working through drama working through the expectations of others, working through a sin that you just can't seem to get past. Jesus says, all of you that are weary and burdened and beat down, I want you to come to me and I will give you rest. When I read this passage, I, I try to imagine what Jesus would look like. I try to imagine the tone in his voice. I try to imagine the expression on his face. And when I read this passage, I can't help but imagine Jesus full of compassion saying, hey, what are you doing? You can't do this by yourself. Get over here. Come here. Get over here. You can't. Stop trying. Get over here. Stop working. Come here. Get, just get over here. I want you to stop striving. This stress is going to take you out. This anxiety is going to take you out. Hey, just, just stop. Come here. That stress, anxiety, I get it. 
In fact, I'm about to go to the cross and experience stress and anxiety on a whole new level. I get it. Come here. Come to me. I've got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. That I want to give peace to your peaceless mind. I want to give hope to your hopeless heart. And I want to give rest to your restless souls. And that word rest is directly connected to the idea of restoration. That Jesus wants to restore what's been depleted. That Jesus wants to give you your life back. Jesus wants to give you your freedom back. Jesus wants to give you your rhythm back. Isn't it so true? Man, when life gets so crazy and stress and anxiety are rampant, your life feels so out of whack and out of rhythm. Your life feels like that one person at church that just can't clap on beat, you know? Yeah, usually it's the white people and they're just like, you know, just, y'all laughing, you know, it's true, it's okay. I'm Arabic, I can say whatever I want, let's go. But that's what life feels like. Like your life is out of rhythm, it's offbeat, something isn't right and Jesus wants to give it back. So he says, come to me, all of you are weary and burdened. And he says, take my yoke, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find, here's our buzzword, rest for your souls. That weariness and burdening that Jesus was talking about, he wasn't talking about physical. No, no, he was talking about a fatigue of our soul. He says, you come to me, take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What in the world is a yoke? <laughs> Uh, this is a yoke. It's not, it looks like a torture device. It's not. It's actually a farming tool. It's a farming tool. And what farmers would, and, and I guess still use this for, is they would yoke two donkeys or oxen together, and then they would connect a plow to it, and then those oxen, they would move to the fields and plow until up the ground to get it ready so they could plant crops. So what Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to yoke yourself to me. But when you understand what farmers would do, it takes on whole new meaning. Because what farmers would very, would usually do, would very often do, is they would take a stronger, bigger, more experienced ox, and they would yoke it to a smaller, weaker, less experienced ox. We got a picture, let me show you what that looks like. And the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would set the pace for the weaker, smaller, less experienced ox. The, the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would grow the capacity of the smaller, weaker, less experienced ox because he would be able to do way more yoke to the bigger, stronger, more experienced one than he would be on his own. That the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would help the smaller, weaker, less experienced ox push through when it got difficult and get more done when things got hard and get the job finished when they couldn't do it on their own. And what Jesus is saying to you and what he is saying to me, is, hey, come get yoked 
to me. Stop trying to do this alone. Stop trying to walk alone. You can't do it by yourself. You can't walk by yourself. This stress is gonna take you out. This anxiety is going to take you out. Stop trying to toil and strive and do it by your own strength because you can't. But guess what? You don't have to. Come be connected to me. Come walk with me. Depend on me and let me make your burden light. Because he's saying to you and he's saying to me, you're running at an unsustainable pace and I want to slow you down to a sustainable pace. Jesus is telling you and me that your capacity and my capacity is much lower when we're not connected to him. And what he's telling you and what he's telling me, and we don't need any convincing because you know this from your own life and I know this from my own life, is that you can't alone, but he can through you and in you. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you and me, that are smaller, weaker, less experienced, come be connected with me. Come walk with me. Come watch me. Come learn from me. Because you can't, and I don't want you to try alone. Your soul and my soul is at its best when we come to Jesus for rest. And I know it rhymes, I know that might sound cheesy, but now you're not gonna forget it. Because your soul is at its fullest and your soul is at its best and your soul is at its fullest God-given capacity when you come to Jesus for rest. When you stop striving on your own and you accept his invitation to come back, to reconnect, to rest in what is true about him. Come on, I want you to take that overwhelming things in life and the things that we're overcommitted to and all, the, all that we're doing, all that we're seeing, all that stresses us, all that brings the anxiety. And I want you to rest in the sovereignty of God. The word sovereignty is just a really fancy word to say that nothing surprises God and nothing ever catches him off guard. I want you to rest in the fact that nothing is bigger than God. I want you to rest in the fact that nothing has ever occurred to God because he knows it all. I want you to rest in the grace of God. Not only the grace that forgives you, but the grace that sustains you. The grace that is giving you breath right now in this very moment. That's grace. And I want you to rest and the promises of God, that he is always with you. And we're gonna talk about this in week three, but he's never promised that life is going to be easy, that bad things are never going to happen, but he's given us a hope. And he's saying that this life is not the end, that this life doesn't have a period at the end of it, it has a comma because we've got eternity in view. So Jesus' invitation to you and his invitation to me Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Come on. For those of you that are weary and burdened, you're beat down, you're burned out, you're stressed, and you can't take it anymore. Jesus is saying, stop trying. Come find rest. Stop striving. Stop trying to make it happen on your own. And come find rest. What I would hope so badly for every single one of you is that in the normal rhythm of your life, 
you would make it a point to get away so that you can find rest in who Jesus is regularly. And I wanna give you what that looks like practically. What does it look like practically? I even got a cool little acronym. It never works out this nice, but it did today. Watch this, rest, hello, hey, come on. Isn't that awesome? I proud of that one. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is a good one, okay? Rest, what does it look like to rest? You get away, you get some time with Jesus. What does it look like to rest and who Jesus is? What does it look like to come to Jesus and get rest? The first, this is really practical. I want you to release the toxic. That in your time with Jesus, I want you to release the toxic. I want you to release the toxic emotions. I want you to release the anger. I want you to release the pride. I want you to release the insecurity. Well, Samer, it's not that simple. No, no, I know. I want you to mentally, mentally do it. I want you to picture yourself doing it. There, I want everyone to do this real quick. Put, put down whatever you're writing. I want you to put your fists up like that. I want everyone to do this. Come on, everyone do this. Clench your fists and squeeze them really, really tight. Just keep squeezing, keep squeezing. It's gonna start hurting. It's gonna start cramping a little bit, right? It's kind of what life feels like sometimes when you're striving and you don't let go yet. Don't let go yet. You can do it. Okay. Hold, squeeze harder. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I do, I just want you to slowly release. And as you do, take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. Did you feel that? That so much of life is this. And Jesus is saying, will you just release the toxic? Like, I want you to imagine in your brain, you're taking up fear and you're packing it in a box and you're writing fear and you're taping it and you're moving it. I want you to imagine, oh, that insecurity. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm insecurity just for a moment of not measuring up. I'm gonna put you in this box and, and I'm gonna move you away because I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with Jesus for just a minute. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put this box over here. Just a week ago, I had to do this. I'm not kidding, just a week ago, I woke up, so ironic, in the middle of the night, wide-eyed, heart beating, stomach churning. I couldn't breathe. I was sweating. And I was having this moment of anxiety. And do you know what it was about? It was about this series. And you know what I was afraid of? That it wasn't going to be good. You know what I was afraid of? Is I'm tossing and turning in my bed, trying to catch my breath, that I wasn't gonna be able to say anything helpful. About two in the morning, I finally got to go back to sleep at four in the morning. I wake up the next morning, the next morning, I wake up an hour and a half later and I'm processing it with Julie. She's upset that I didn't wake her up. I'm like, babe, I'm not gonna wake you up. And what I had to do that morning is I got some time with Jesus. And do you know what I did? I literally did this. I imagined myself and I mentally said, hey, fear of not measuring up to people's standards. I'm, I'm gonna put you in this box because that's not what my life is about. Oh, that, that fear of, 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 of not being good enough. Yeah, I need to remember, I only preach for an audience of one, not the approval of man. So I'm gonna close up that box and I'm gonna put that over here, Jesus. And I literally released the toxic. And I did it on my kitchen table. And I just said, I'm going to release. Feel the breath coming in and out and release the toxic. I want you to eliminate distractions. Like get disconnected, get away, get away from humans, get away from anything that makes noise that has to be plugged into something. Get away from the homework, put your phone on airplane mode, do something, but tell somebody in case they have to reach you and they think something bad happened to you, okay? But like, like get away, forget about the homework for just a moment 
and find a place where you can be comfortable. I want you to seek solitude, like get by yourself, get alone, find your spot, make it to where it can just be you and Jesus for just a short amount of time. And then I want you to take your time. I want you to take your time. I want you to slow down. I want you to reorganize your day so you can have 30 minutes of uninterrupted time with Jesus. Maybe it's an hour, but I want you to slow down and take your time. Rest. Release the toxic, eliminate the distractions, seek solitude and take your time. And as you do, as you come to Jesus and rest in who he is and what he's done for you, I'm telling you, you'll begin to take background in your life that stress and anxiety has been taking away from you. And all of a sudden, that soul that was so depleted, Jesus will begin to restore it. 